Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I cannot tell you today, I cannot tell you today how glad and excited I am that you are joining with us for Easter. The main reason we gather as Christians, the high point of the Christian calendar, that today we gather to remember, follow with me, we gather to remember what Christ has done for us 2,000 years ago, but also, also what Jesus Christ is in the business of doing here today. Because this is what I believe, okay? This is what I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is here. His power and his presence and resurrection power are also here for each and every one of us. This is the good news of Easter, that Jesus Christ is not dead, but he is alive and he is here and he is with us. This is the reason why we gather here today. So wherever you are at with Jesus, whether you are a follower of him, whether you are skeptical of him, whether you're just maybe starting to follow him, Today, what I want to share, today I want to share is how really resurrection and Easter and Christ's death and his resurrection, how this literally changes everything, how God really went all in for each and every one of us and the entire world and all of creation, that how 2,000 years ago, now 2,000 years ago, Jesus' death and his resurrection, this has changed every single day. This has changed every single person. This has changed every single thing in our world Today, what I want to explore is, I want to explore how big, how startling, how expansive, how amazing the work of Christ at his death and resurrection really was. And to do that today, to do that today, I'm going to turn to a passage that we don't often read at Easter, but I think we should. It's found in Colossians 1. So if you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be today, Colossians 1. Now, obviously, at many Easter services, um, we focus in on the passages in the Gospels that describe really in detail Christ's death and his resurrection. We've heard some of this already in our service today through our worship, through our singing, and through uh, different readings in our service. But today, I want to move away from the Gospels and really move into Paul for one really clear reason. That what the Gospels do in amazing, great detail is they describe what has happened. But what Paul wants to describe really also in the same kind of detail is what has changed. What Christ's death and resurrection has altered. What Christ's death and resurrection has really transformed. He wants to give us some language and some insight into what this amazing moment has really miraculously changed for everything and everyone. The Gospels describe what has happened. Paul's going to describe what has changed. And so I want to explore this here today. Beginning in verse 19, we're going to work through to verse 23. Like always, I'm going to read it, share some stories, share some hopeful insights, but most of all, Share that through hearing the scripture that your life might be altered and mine because that is what Easter is all about. It's about all of us being changed. Paul says this, For God, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He's talking here about the resurrection. He's talking about his death and burial, right? He says this, This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, yet now he has reconciled you to himself. He's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Right? This is talking about what Easter changed. He says this, as a result, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and you are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and to stand firmly in it says this, don't drift away. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. This is the passage I want to explore here today. The passage that I do really believe shares with us what the resurrection changes. And the first thing that Paul says, the first thing Paul kind of gets um, grounded in is just this, is that God is Jesus-y, as we often say here. That God is Jesus-y. 
or what Paul says is that Jesus really is the full revelation of God. Or to use Paul's language, he says this, God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Paul here is really saying, Paul here really is saying that God is jesus that Jesus reveals the very heart, the character of who God is, which means, which means is that if your view of God does not look like Jesus, it's sort of be blunt with this, it's just wrong actually. It might be spiritual, it might be moral, it might be religious, but as Christians, what we affirm is that Jesus is the full and exact representation of God, which means if you want to know who God is, you look to Jesus. So Jesus then becomes the lens that we see everything through. Jesus becomes the standard of our preaching, teaching, acting, and living. He is the one who reveals who God is, because as Paul says, God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. So Paul begins. Paul begins with where we should always begin, by grounding everything in Christ. And then Paul moves to begin to talk about what the resurrection does, what the resurrection changes, what the resurrection alters. Paul says this, and listen to these verses. Paul says this, And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Listen again to what Paul says. I want scripture to speak to you today. I want you to hear this. This is the words that come from God himself in and through the inspiration of the uh, Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul. He says this, And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Just sit with this for a moment. Do you hear how shocking, startling, and expansive this amazing work of Jesus is? Listen to what he says. He says, and through him, God reconciled everything, everything, everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Can we just agree with this? This is good news, amen? This is good, good, good news. This is what Easter is all about. This is what Easter and the resurrection has changed. What Paul wants to claim and what all true Christians claim is that at Jesus' death and resurrection, that this changes everyone and everything. That's what Paul is saying. That's what we need to say as well, is that at Jesus' death and resurrection, this changes everything and everyone, okay? What Paul is really teaching us here is that there is no plant, there is no person, there is no molecule, atom, or moment that is not altered by Christ's death and resurrection. That's just how wide, how big, how amazing and complete the work of Christ is. That's what he did at the cross, that he changed literally everything. Paul says, through him, God reconciled everything. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. That's what's going on here at Easter. What we remember and what we recognize is that at Easter, everything was changed. And in case you were wondering, that word everything in Greek, it is pass. That's what it means. That's what it is in Greek. And what it literally means is everything. It's all encompassing. That's how amazing and complete the ministry, the substitution, the atonement of Christ is. That he has changed everything and everyone. And in case we didn't miss it, Paul says even he's made peace by his blood with everything in heaven and on earth. When he says in heaven and on earth, this is Paul's way of saying this uh, covers every single aspect of our world, every single aspect of creation, that there is no person, place, or moment that was left out of Christ's amazing, reconciling, and atoning work at Easter. That what we remember at the cross, that what we remember at Easter, what we remember today is that at Jesus' death and resurrection, that God went all in and changed everything for everyone. I want to say that again. That God went all in and changed everything for everyone. This is what Easter is about. 
And here's why I think that this matters for so many of us. Here's why I think that this matters for me as well. I want to share with you a story that I think can help us to highlight the importance of believing this truth, of standing firm in it, of recognizing it and living out of it. Because I think it's so easy in our day and age. I think it's so easy to fall into other beliefs and to fall into other stories. So today I want to share with you a story that I think highlights how this can change your life today, this amazing truth of the gospel that at Jesus' death and resurrection, he went all in to change everything for everyone. And I want to share with you actually one of my dad's favorite stories. Now, as I've said here before, my dad is, uh, was a pastor for many, many years. And if you've ever had a pastor for more than a few years, what you'll start to notice, and this is just true, and all pastors should just like own up to this, is that pastors have favorite stories that they just like to retell. Sometimes it doesn't even matter to them how many times they've shared that story before. They just keep coming back to it and sharing it again and again and again. Uh, sometimes it's because they find these stories funny. Sometimes they, it's because they find these stories like meaningful or impactful or whatever. I have these stories. I know Larry, who is the pastor before me, he has these stories, and my dad did as well. So I want to share with you my dad's favorite story, actually, to share. Um, and as I share this story, I want to let you know that if this sounds a little bit ridiculous, even if it sounds a little bit untrue, it was absolutely true, and it was reported on in a local newspaper. This story also, it involves a deer, okay? So if you love deer, just know um, that after this incident, the deer did survive, okay? So just so you know that. So here's uh, my dad's favorite story that he liked to tell. Okay, so one day uh, out near Guelph, um, we're from Kitchener-Waterloo, so this was kind of a local story. One day out near Guelph, there's a conservation area, and early in the morning, um, there is a, lo a lot of people making their morning commute. And like in any morning, um, right, there are people who are driving, there are people who are walking, you know, going to work, whatever else it may be. There's also a group of runners who are like running, you know, just trying to stay fit and trying to stay healthy and all of that. So here's what happened. A man was driving, and as he was driving, a deer ran out from beside the road. And he swerved, as you often do, right, in one of these moments. But if you know anything, often deer sometimes travel together, right? So as he swerved, though, unfortunately what happened was a second deer ran out. And this deer, he just, he just hit. He hit without really breaking. He hit without kind of stopping. And this deer was kind of in mid-bounce. Are you picturing this moment? Because you should picture this moment. This deer, as they often kind of do, you know, was kind of jumping, was in mid-bounce. And so as this man hits this deer, he hits him like, super hard. And so what ends up happening is this deer, picture this with me, this deer flies through the air flies through the air, and in what is one of the most unlucky things ever to happen, as the deer is flying through the air, it goes bam and hits one of the runners who is running on the side of the road just trying to stay fit. He gets hit in the face by a flying deer. It is like Bambi drop kicks him. It is like Rudolph flies out of the sky and hits him, and he is knocked unconscious and out cold from a flying deer. Can you, can you believe this? Can you picture this? Like, this is one of the most incredible and ridiculous stories that has ever happened. If this was caught on video, this thing would go viral and we'd all have seen it so often by now. That this guy is just running, just trying to stay fit, just trying to stay you know, like healthy or whatever in the middle of the morning. And all of a sudden he gets hit in the face with a deer. Like just imagine this moment, how ridiculous it is. This poor guy did have to go to the hospital. Imagine him calling, you know, maybe if he had his wife, calling his wife and saying, honey, can you come pick me up? I'm in, I'm in the hospital. And she might say, like, what happened? You were just out for a run. Did you hurt or break anything? And he'd be like, yes, I broke my face from a deer that hit me in the face. Or imagine if this guy had to call into work and say, I can't come into work today. Why? Because a deer flew through the air and hit me in the face. This story is ridiculous. It is comical. It is almost hard to believe. And I share with you this story for three reasons. First, because I just like it. And I think it's ridiculous. And I think it's funny and comical. And I just picture this man being hit by a deer. You know, he's just out running. And someone says, deer. And he's like, what? Bam. Like, I just, I think that is one of the most funny things I can picture. Secondly, the reason I share with you is because it was my dad's favorite story to share. So today, I think it was appropriate to kind of give an homage to him. But thirdly, and the real reason, 
I share this story with you because I think actually this story highlights something that we can all likely feel or relate to. I know, as soon as I say that you can relate to the story. Some of you are like, I cannot relate to the story because this has never happened. And if though, if though you can relate to this physically, that you've been hit by a deer, we should go up for coffee and you should tell me that story. But I do think this story actually does highlight something that we can actually relate to and feel. If we think about this, not just in this moment, but put it in a wider context. Let's actually think about this guy running for a moment. What if his life isn't all that good? What if right now he's actually in a difficult space? What if he's going through a divorce? What if he's just lost his job? What if maybe there's a health challenge that's going on? Let's say he's in a difficult space and he's running and out of nowhere he gets hit in the face by a deer. Would not the temptation in that moment, would not the temptation be to believe that everyone is out to get you, that the universe is like stacked against you, that no one knows and no one cares about you? This is the feeling I think that all of us can relate to, that when difficult things happen, when things come out of nowhere and surprise us, that when random, unfair challenges or obstacles occur, is not the temptation for so many of us, is not the temptation to believe or to drift into the lie that God has abandoned us, that God is absent from us, that God maybe isn't so much for us but against us, is not the challenge when difficult things happen is not the challenge actually not to drift into believing that things are just going to get worse and worse and worse and that no one knows and that no one cares. I don't know if you've ever had a week where something like that happens, where maybe all of a sudden a loved one dies or passes, and then all of a sudden like your water bill comes in and it's way too high or a pipe bursts or you have a car breakdown or your kid gets suspended for school, where it's like things just pile up one on another again and again and again. And it's in these moments where all of a sudden it's so easy, it's so easy to just feel like no one cares, no one knows, that the world is stacked against us. That I think what this story highlights is something that we all can relate to, is how when destructive, annoying, frustrating, or really difficult moments happen, one of the temptations for us is to slide into all of a sudden just believing that God maybe so much isn't for us, but against us. That maybe there isn't good in the world, that maybe things will just get worse and worse and worse. And this, This is what the resurrection changes. This is what the resurrection alters. This is what the resurrection proves to us, that God is not against us, that God is for us. And at the very heart of the universe, at the very heart of the universe is a God who went all in for you and for me and has changed everyone for everything. Listen to what Paul says, because he's not finished yet. He says this amazing uh, passage of, yes, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. But then listen to what he states next. He says, this includes you. This includes you. This includes you. Paul states that through God and through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself and made peace with everything on heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And this includes you. This is what the resurrection changes. It changes everything, including us. Paul talks about it in big, grand, and expansive terms, but then he brings it down to the individual, to the particular, to the personal, and saying that this amazing work of Christ, this amazing work of God that has made peace with everything, that this includes you and this includes me. This is the good news of Easter. This is the reason why we celebrate. This is the reason why we gather to remember what Christ has done and how it is altered today. And Paul, Paul, though he isn't finished, he's going to continue. He's going to name some things that actually are a little bit difficult. He doesn't sugarcoat things. He's gonna name the fact that yes, Christ went through all of this for us, but he did this because we actually were separated from him. He did this because honestly, none of us are perfect and put together that all of us have sinned or fallen short of the glory of God. 
right? Paul continues and he says, yes, this includes you, but this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. This is why we need the action of God. This is why we need the movement and activity of God. This is why we need reconciliation and resurrection because all of us have been separated from God. All of us have done wrong, either in thought, word, or deed, or in action, that all of us are sinful. This is why we need reconciliation and resurrection because we're all separated from God and in the dominion then of darkness, sin, and death. But the amazing message of Easter is that Christ doesn't leave us there, is that God doesn't become inactive or passive, that God goes all in and changes everything for everyone. Paul continues and says, yes, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, yet now, listen to what has happened. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. This is what Easter changes. He says as a result, as a result. He has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and you are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. That's what scripture says. That's what scripture says, that you were separated, but now you're in his presence. You were sinful, but now you are holy. You were at fault, but now you are blameless. This is what the resurrection changes and alters. It changes everything. And this includes you and this includes me. And here's why I think that this matters for us. Because as I said, it is so easy to slip into a different story, to believe that God is angry, distant, and doesn't care about us, right? Whether we are hit by deers or going through, I don't know, any other difficulty or challenge, this is an easy thing for us to slip into and believing. But Easter changes all of that. Easter reminds us of what is true. And the truth is, is that God is for you, not against you. And he has gone all in to change everything. And this includes you. A few years ago, a few years ago, I was teaching and preaching at a youth event. And so often as these things kind of go, um, it was late at night for the last session. And so I was preaching and teaching a message similar to this. I was preaching and teaching how really we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, but the amazing work of Jesus is actually just so amazing and complete and expansive and comprehensive that it changes everything and it changes everyone. And that God is not for us. Um, God is for us, not against us. And that God actually includes us in what he is doing. So I was preaching this message and I finished up and afterwards, you know, prayed with people, talked with people, did all of those normal things. And so then I started to pack up all of my gear and all my stuff to drive home. This is probably like nine or 10 at night. And I had a number of hours of driving ahead of me. And as I go to get in my car, a young man approached me who I think had just been kind of waiting for a moment where it seemed semi-private and there weren't a ton of people around. And they asked, could we talk? I wanna to talk to you about your message that you shared. And I thought to myself, I thought to myself, I have a number of hours of driving. I thought to myself, I don't really have time for this. And I also thought to myself that God, uh, God's timetable is never really operating on mine, right? That these moments, they don't often happen just when we're ready for them. They happen actually when God presents them. So I said, sure. So we sat down and this individual started to share with me their story. And they started to ask me, do you really believe that it's true that I can be included in what God is doing? Do you really believe that God actually isn't against me, but for me? Do you really believe that God wants to actually welcome me and they started to share with me some of their life. And no, their problem wasn't being hit by a deer, right? No, their problem, though, was that they had things in their life that they couldn't change. They had burdens that they were carrying. They had things that made them just feel like an outcast and that God did not love them, want them, or include them. So they share with me some of their story. And at the very end of it, at the very end of it, they turn to me and they ask, so do you really believe that, that I can be included in what God is doing? That I can actually be welcomed into what God is doing? Do you believe that Christ is maybe actually for me and not against me? So I took a moment, because that's always wise in these moments. And then I shared not my words with God's, because I think that's the most appropriate thing to do. 
So what I did was I simply just quoted the passage that we are studying here today. This is why you should memorize scripture. I just quoted to them this passage where it says that, yes, through Christ's death and resurrection, that he has made peace with everything on heaven and on earth by means of his blood, and that this includes you. This includes you who are once enemies and far away from God and who are separated, but now you are holy. Now you are blameless. Now you are brought into his presence. I said, yes, absolutely, the work of Christ includes you. Yes, absolutely, the work of Christ includes you. And this changed everything for this man. This changed everything for this young man to know that actually Christ's effort and Christ's work and his accomplishment actually includes him. And I share with you this story because I think for us, it is so easy to fall into that same place that young man was in, to believe that God might be against us, to believe that the universe is maybe against us, to believe that we are unwanted or unworthy or unwelcome into God's presence. It is so easy to believe false things rather than the true things of what the scripture teaches. And so what the scripture really does teach us is that, yes, we were all unworthy. Yes, we were all separated. Yes, we were all evil in our thoughts and actions. But Christ's amazing work at his death and resurrection, this changes everything. That through him, God reconciled everyone to himself. That through him, everyone is included. Through him, God has done a work that changes every single person's story and trajectory. That through him, there is nothing that remains unchanged. This is the beautiful news and message of Easter. And I know for some, I know for some that a gospel this wide, uh, amazing work this complete, it might make us uncomfortable, but how dare we ever shrink or narrow what scripture so unequivocally teaches that at Jesus' Christ's death and resurrection, God changed everyone and everything. He reconciled everything to himself. He reconciled everyone to himself. He made peace with everything on heaven and on earth, and this includes you, and this includes me. And if you think about it logically, if you think about it logically, Christ's death and resurrection, it has to be this big, comprehensive, and complete. It must be. It must be. Because if, at Christ's death and resurrection, it does not reconcile everything, it does not include everyone and everything, then there are people, there are spaces, there are places that remain outside of his control, that remain outside of his activity, that remain outside of his power. But what we affirm, especially at Easter, is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Jesus Christ is Lord, and he is Lord of all. And if he is not Lord of all, he's actually not Lord at all. That's the whole point of Easter, is that at Easter, Jesus Christ becomes Lord and King over every single thing, and that through him, God reconciled everything to himself, and that through him, God made peace with everyone on heaven and on earth, and this includes you, and this includes me, those of us who were once separated from God by our evil thoughts and actions, yet now, yet now we stand before him holy and blameless, the question is, the question is, is will we believe this? The question is, is will we hold true to this? The question is, is will we live out of this truth? So what's my main point here today for Easter? My main point actually is really quite simple. My main point is just this, that Christ's resurrection and reconciliation changes everything and everyone, including you. This is my main point, that Christ's resurrection and reconciliation changes everything and everyone, including you. That God went all in for all of us. That's what Easter is about. That he went all in for every single person on the entire scope of the planet and the world. He went in for all of us. This is the beautiful news of Easter. This is the beautiful news of resurrection. This is the beautiful news of the gospel, really, right? That through Christ, through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. But I do want to say this with this, that our response to this amazing news, our response to this amazing gospel, our response to this amazing work of Christ, it does matter because we can wander. We can push God away. We can actually not accept this. Listen to what Paul says next, actually. He names, 
the world-altering, history-changing reality, saying, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. But then he ends with this, but you must, but you must continue to believe this truth and to stand firmly in it. He says this, this is his advice, this is his challenge, this is his warning for those of us who follow Christ. He says, but don't drift. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. When the assurance you heard, when you heard the good news that Christ has reconciled everyone to God. He says, don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed a God's servant to proclaim it. What Paul's reminding us here is that, yes, absolutely, unequivocally, Christ's work matters, but so does our response. Christ's work matters, but so does our response. That we can wander, we can drift. But what he calls us to do is to stand firm in the truth that at Jesus' death and resurrection, God reconciled everything and everyone to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood. So what does this mean for us here today? Well, I think it means at least one of two things. First, first, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, maybe today is the first day that you're actually hearing that you're included in the amazing work of God, that he hasn't forgotten about you, that he actually isn't against you, but for you, that he loves you and has actually went all in for you. Maybe today is the first day that you are hearing that. Then what I want to encourage you with and what I want to challenge you with and what I want to invite you to is just this. Would you choose to accept Jesus? Would you choose to follow him? Would you choose to pledge allegiance to him to let him be king over your life? That's what I want to invite you into today, to actually believe this amazing good news and to then stand firm in it because it will and it can change everything about your life. That young man I shared the same good news with, the same scripture with, he emailed me a number of months later and he shared to me how his life had been altered. Here are just some of the things that he actually emailed me with. He said, never before have I been so overwhelmed by the presence of God. Never before have I been so overwhelmed by the presence of God. Never before have I ever been so aware of how much God loves me and how much he is willing to do to reconcile me to him. And now I can see that God can do ever more than we hope for or imagine. And you can have the same experience. You have the same experience of freedom, of liberation, of hope, of knowing that you are included in what God is doing if you would accept him and pledge allegiance to him today. And if you do that, please let us know so that we can journey with you and celebrate with you and really praise God with you because he is truly king and Lord of all. And I would invite you to submit and pledge allegiance to him. And then secondly, what does this mean for those of us who are maybe followers of Jesus? Well, I think Paul does have a, a challenge for us. He's really clear that we can drift, right? And I think that is easy to happen. The temptation is when things are difficult, when things get rough, when things kind of go astray, when things maybe fly out of the air and hit us and we're not ready for them. The temptation is to believe, actually, that God isn't working. The temptation is to believe that God might not be for us. The temptation is to believe that maybe the universe is stacked against us. But what this scripture teaches us is that no, no, God has reconciled everyone and everything to himself by the means of his blood. So what we remember in those moments is that God actually is for us. That at the resurrection, Jesus has proved that God went all in for all of us. So I think we need to take seriously Paul's kind of command to not drift from this truth. But then what I also want to invite you to do today is not only to not drift from this truth, but to also thank God for this truth, to praise him, to worship him for it, that at Easter we rightly remember what Christ did 2,000 years ago, but we should also give him thanks and praise and gratefulness for all the amazing work that he did, work to include each and every one of us, work to change the entire world and all of history, that today, today our hearts should be filled with gratefulness for what Christ has done. And so to end our service here today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, to accept Jesus. I want to challenge you, if you are a follower of Jesus, to not drift from this truth, but then secondly, to praise God, to worship him, to thank him for what he has gone through for you and for me. Because what this passage proves to us is that God went through all of this for all of us 
so that we might be included in what he is doing. That as Paul says, God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. And by means of Christ's blood on the cross, and this includes you. And this is a reason to celebrate. This is a reason to praise. This is a reason to sing because God went all in for each and every one of us. And he deserves our response out of that. That he went all in for you and for me. So might we respond to him? Might we choose to follow him? And might we be grateful to him? Let's pray. Dear God, I pray. I pray for each and every one of us who are here today. I pray firstly, Lord, for those who might not know you. Would they take that step towards you? Would they choose to trust you? Would they pray to you and reach out to you, knowing, God, that you are good and including them? I pray, God, with those who don't know you, would they choose to follow you today? I also pray for those of us who are following you. I pray, God, might we enter into this next moment as we sing and worship with praise, with thanks, with gratefulness, and with awe for the amazing, life-changing work that you did at Easter with how, God, you died and you rose again and you changed everything, reconciling everything and everyone to yourself. So I pray, Lord, I pray might we come into this moment with gratefulness, with thanks. Might we never drift from the amazing good news of Easter and the gospel and what your word teaches us. And I just pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.